that's gonna be on right nope (laughs) (laughs) all right and we are starting in three two one what's up y'all my name is avery and welcome to the first episode of the last black avatars i'm joined with my co-host my dearest friend my wife longtime avatar stan corbin cummings how you doing corbin I'm good. I'm really happy to be on this show, us doing the thing. Like, I'm super, super excited. (laughs) That is awesome. And Corbin and I will both be co-hosting this show throughout the entire podcast series. So you'll be hearing a lot of both of us. And throughout future episodes, we'll have other guests along with us. But for this episode and for the next one, it will just be us. So you can just get to know us and listen to our little banter and get accustomed to the show. So, Corbin, you are a publicly stated longtime fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. What's your relationship to the show? How long have you been watching it? What does it mean to you? Yes, I have been watching the show since forever, like first season back in 2005, 2007. I've been watching the show Um, When I was younger, I used to have like a little Momo stuffed animal because I was such a huge fan. And I just I really think that Nickelodeon just did the thing when they created the show anyways. But, (laughs) you know, I'm really happy to see like this resurgence of it on Twitter and everybody talking about it and all the black folks are rallying behind the show. So I just love the dialogue and I've been such a long fan of the show. So it's it's really uh, good to see other people are starting to create their own fandoms, too. Yeah, and especially, and I guess we should maybe clarify since we're on podcast and people can't see us, we are two black people. (laughs) We both happen (laughs) to be um, black college age students um, who, yeah, have been seeing black Twitter go up on social media about this show. And even me as someone who, I guess my background is that I did watch some episodes of Avatar growing up, but it was never... I never watched it in sequence. I never watched it all the way through. I just kind of caught an episode here and there when it was airing, normally waiting for the next show to come on because I just never really got into it. But even me, I don't think I normally surround myself with people who watch Avatar. But then I realized on Twitter (laughs) that literally everyone around me is a huge, huge stand. Everyone. Which was part of the reason why we started this podcast together because of the timing and because... Yeah, it's a journey of me going through the show for the first time and Corbin getting to finally uh, stand with me on (laughs) this show. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to touch on before we get started on the first episode? No, I just want to let folks know that, uh, you know, this is my first time talking about it. So I'm super excited to just throw out everything and, and whatnot. And yeah. Super excited. Yeah, and Corbin has been trying her hardest not to spoil anything <laughs> for me. So this is a, again, as it's going to say in the intro, uh, this is a spoiler-free show because I'm watching it for the first time. And so Corbin's been wanting to talk to me about it before the podcast happened and before we recorded. And I kept saying, no, 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 Listen, no, no. I'm going to try my we hardest. We haven't recorded yet. <laughs> I'm going to try my hardest. But <laughs> She tried her hardest and she succeeded. <laughs> 
And uh, I was just like, no, tell me that when we're on the podcast. Like, just wait a little bit. We're almost there. And so now she finally gets to share all of her thoughts with me. And so, yeah, let's go ahead and hop right on into it, starting with episode one. Yeah, episode one, The Boy in the Iceberg. Ooh. (laughs) So, (laughs) and basically the way that this podcast is going to run, we're going to kind of go through the synopses of each episode. And as we go through them, we're going to make our comments and our questions and our uh, jokes and all of the things. And we might go off topic sometimes because that's just how me and Corbin are. But we'll try our best. Come on, jokes. Get, get too off topic. But first episode starts with Katara and Sokka, who I'm are... just going to reel it back in if that happens. <laughs> we'll try our best. But yeah, it opens with Katara and Sokka, who are brother and sister in the Southern Water Tribe. And my first note was that when I first watched this through, I had to go through back... I had to go back through the first few episodes after I went through the first time just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And the first time I went through this show last week, I definitely did not realize that they were siblings. And I definitely was like, oh, yeah, they should totally date. That's my that's my that's the couple that I'm going to stand for. But then I realized because I thought they were part of a bigger tribe. I thought there were more people. And then they go back and you realize there's only like 10 people in the entire tribe. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) There's only like 10 people in the tribe. And everyone's either like a kid or some woman. So, yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I think when I first uh, saw it, like I knew straight off the bat, like I don't have any brothers or sisters, but you could tell like the way they were picking Mm -hmm. on each other, the way they was arguing, like these definitely got to be brother and sister just the way they they fight all the time so i mean we definitely get to see how you know they their personalities come out you know throughout that little opening that happens in the first episode yeah and when i was re-watching i did realize that they do say that they are brother and sister like in the intro so i guess i must have been on my phone or something and just missed it <laughs> but when i watched back through i was like oh, i mean especially like yeah mm-hmm but yeah, I mean, it, especially like when they find Aang and then, you know, Sokka's like, who, what is that? And then Aang is like, this is my flying bison. And then, you know, uh, Sokka's like, well, this is Katara, my flying sister. <laughs> sick burn, sick pun right there. But yeah, it starts off with <laughs> Corbin shaking her head at me. Um, but it starts off with them going out. <laughs> They're fishing, I believe. Um and they start to get into an argument and you learn that Katara is a novice waterbender. And so as they get into an argument, she starts to shake the water and starts shaking the earth and stuff. Um, it's really intense, especially compared to what she does later in terms of water, I guess, because that's how much she can control is those smaller pieces of water. But in that first episode, she's like damn near causing an avalanche with that shit. Um, and unintentionally breaks open a huge piece of ice that has this creepy floating kid in it that's glowing um and it reveals itself to be ang who's the airbender of the air nomads um which were supposed to be extinct for like the past hundred years or something and you immediately meet his flying bison appa who I guess has just been sitting there waiting for Aang <laughs> this whole time for the past hundred years. Cause he's just chilling. Um, 
And yeah, they go back to the village where Katara and Sokka live. And at the same time, you meet Prince Zuko from the Fire Nation, who I think is super hot. <laughs> Even when I barely watch the show, I will preface wow. when I barely watch no the show. Uh, no, yeah, no pun. <laughs> Straight flames. <laughs> love it. Um, but when I would catch some episodes randomly, I always just remember being like, oh, yeah, that's Zuko. That's that hot guy. Like, love him. He's great. Um, and I learned the only spoiler that I do kind of learn is that uh, Zuko does have a really good redemption arc type of storyline throughout the series. That's the only thing that I've repeatedly heard from people. Uh, other things I try and intentionally not listen to but that's one thing that i just could not avoid um and you meet zuko who's been searching for the avatar for god how many years did he say like three years or something two years two years yeah Yeah. to restore his honor with the fire nation because later on in the 10 episodes that we had and this might be getting off track a little bit but later on in the 10 episodes i kind of (laughs) forgot why he was even searching for him at this point like i was like why you don't have to like you could literally just take the ship and leave. But then I forgot it's about his honor with his nation. Um, and when you meet Zuko, you also meet uh, Uncle Iroh, who's this chill ass old dude. I would find him frustrating if I was Zuko. I feel like I would also be irritated with him <laughs> because he's just very like, ah, chill out. Like, it's cool. Kuna Matata. But Zuko's like, no, we got to burn it down now. We have to find him now. Um, so that's kind of their lovely uncle nephew dynamic. How do you feel about Prince Zuko and Iroh? I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, if we're going to get into astrology here, like Zuko's <laughs> definitely a Scorpio. And I would say Iroh is definitely like this Taurus, really chill. I feel like a Taurus is very well. Never mind. Let me take that back. Maybe a Libra, <laughs> a Libra, definitely. But <laughs> I mean, I have much love for Tarsus, so let me just, <laughs> yeah. But you know, <laughs> I um, loved meeting them uh, at first, just because like uh, you can definitely tell like Iroh is the chill one. Like he's over there drinking tea and playing pie show, and you know, trying to like calm Zuko down because he's like pacing back and forth, <laughs> trying to like get his thoughts together. He sees like this beam of light that comes and is like oh my god that's the avatar he's obsessed <laughs> with trying to find this guy um that's been you know around for a hundred years because he doesn't know that you know the avatar is some kid but you know i mean a- apparently just throughout the the first episode like uh Iroh's like oh well we've been through these waters before this is just like the the, the lights that happened down here this is not, you know, anything new. And then Zuko's like, well, no, like that's the avatar. So we can definitely see like how irritable and strong headed Zuko already is off the bat. Um, and has a lot of similarities to Katara, like just having those explosive episodes, um, you know, from, you know, the yeah. beginning of it. It's like Katara is like exploding because, um, you know, her brother's sexist and like all these different things that she calls him. And then Zuko exploding at his uncle because, you know, he's playing Pai show and not taking it seriously. But I mean, later on in the show, like we learn why they are together during this journey and, you know, what all of that means to the purpose of the show. But I mean, 
I definitely think that people need to respect and put some respect on Sokka. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's, you know, the biggest flirt. Like, he's the better looking one, I think. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) He is. Like, he doesn't even have... Between him and Katara or him and Zuko? Zuko. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Continue. Don't make that face at me. I wanted to clarify. (laughs) No, like, I mean, Zuko, he's just weird. Like, I feel like if I met him, I would think he's weird. Like, I would think he's one of them weird kids (laughs) in the high school that just be looking weird and angry all the time. And Sokka's like the one that likes to hang out and party and have fun and likes to be around other people. I would just be scared. Like, I would think that Zuko was like gonna snap one day. And, you know, so, I mean, I I, I don't personally find him attractive in the show. <laughs> I think I always just kind of go for the darker uh, characters, which, yeah. I thought she was about to say dark-skinned Not dark-skinned. He same. is the palest man on the entire show. <laughs> and <laughs> I anything, noticed that. his uncle got more appeal than he does. That's true. I think what you did <laughs> touch on, which was really interesting, was kind of the similarities between Katara and Zuko. Zuko being... I think they're both frustrated in different ways. And I feel like their frustration is what kind of seems to move them in the first 10 episodes. So Zuko is obviously trying to get back his status and his kind of respect in the Fire Nation. He's very frustrated because he can't find this damn avatar. And he's frustrated by the lack of what seems to be kind of uh, like a fire under his ass from his uh, uncle and just kind of being really passionate about finding this and sometimes making not the best. Yeah, no, I love all these fire puns, Um, but just kind of this frustration and this passion for finding this thing that he cannot seem to get a grasp of. And Katara, on the other hand, just seems frustrated that she can't master her waterbending. She doesn't have any teacher. Her mom is dead. Like, and she's just like frustrated also from, it seems like, based on what I've seen so far, but like this frustration of someone needs to solve this problem of the fire nation. And like, we need hope and we need like all these things and we need the avatar and like, she's just not seeing it. Um, And I think that that's part of why when she sees Aang, she kind of acts a little bit impulsively of like, yep ready to dip fuck this family fuck my tribe like i got to go yeah he's like katara i don't want to come between you and your family like you know she was ready to (laughs) give it all up like she was ready to you know just drop everything and go with this 12 year old boy and i was like girl like there's other things but um you know like you can already tell off the bat like He's got this crush on her like they were on top of Appa riding through the water and he's like staring at her. (laughs) She's like, why are you staring at me? Um, But yeah, so I mean, the show just kind of like drops a lot of hints uh, early on, which is pretty dope for us to see. But I mean, definitely a lot of mistrust from I think the difference between Katara and and um Uh, Zuko right now was just you know that Zuko has a lot of mistrust um and so does Sokka so I mean just a a lot of comparisons between um those two so I don't know if it's like Zuko in himself this early on or like just of his uncle or of the world but Sokka also like you know is this uh, self-appointed leader of the southern water tribe and um you know, he's the one that's supposed to protect everyone. So if anyone is not Water Tribe, you know, then he's like, okay, well, you're an enemy, you're Fire Nation. 
And, you know, he's training up everyone uh, to be like these leaders. So, I mean, we can definitely see early on like that uh, Sokka has a lot of leadership in him. He's just sexist, boneheaded, all of these different things. Like he he always tells like corny jokes, which I love because I love a good corny joke. Um but yeah, I mean, there. I mean, but the thing is Which that is they're why all children friends. at the same time. <laughs> yes, listen, you don't know how many times like I've been trying to tell corny jokes. People are like, oh, you're corny. I'm like, well, why don't you laugh at my joke? You don't find that funny. But it's okay. It's all right. Some people get it. Some people don't. <laughs> but yeah, definitely learned a lot early on. But I think the biggest thing is that we have to remember that they're still kids. Like Angus, twelve. I think. Sokka is supposed to be like 15. Katara is like 14 or 15, I think. Um, so like they're just they're really young. Yeah. The fact that Zuko is the oldest and I think he's only like 17 or yeah, something like that, or 17, which is really interesting to look at. Um, and I will be transparent for the listeners at home. Um, the whole uh, Aang and Katara ship thing I don't buy it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't see it for them. Um, I know that they end up together. I know that they, you know what I'm saying, bond and it's cute and whatever. I would rather not see it. And even throughout the first 10 episodes, I was like, do I buy it yet? And I was like, no, I don't buy this. I don't want to see this. And I think it's also because he is so young. And so maybe throughout the next seasons as he gets a little bit older, because I know he's 112, but in my mind, he is 12 years old. Like he is, (laughs) he acts like a 12 year old. He looks like a 12 year old. That's how he's he's reading. (laughs) Yeah, he's just bald. He's Caillou, but grown up. And I just, (laughs) my guy, Caillou. And I just, I don't buy it. I don't want to see it. I just, uh. (sighs) ugh. But I know it's coming, so I'll just accept it. I mean, I will say, like, these first 10 episodes and throughout the entire season, like, I, I honestly feel like, you know, Aang, like, lets you know that he is a child. Like, he likes to have fun. And, you know, penguin sledding and doing all these different things like but he is a child. And I think that's kind of what I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let I'm going to let you go ahead and say what you got to (laughs) say. No. Yeah, I think that was also something that was a little frustrating for me to watch in the first few episodes, because I think as the first three episodes, because in the first few episodes, you always want to set up kind of the character traits of the character so you can get kind of an idea of what they tend to do or just how they're coming into this show feeling and I feel like a lot of the first few episodes have a lot of very childish moments from Aang that were very frustrating of him wanting to go completely off course to go penguin sledding or like getting very distracted by things and I was like oh I know he's 12 I know he is 12 but I also am so frustrated by him (laughs) like it was just frustrating to watch and I know that that's a really important part of his character, though, and it does give some type of because you always need like conflict in a show, right? Like you need some type of conflict that is driving. And so like the greater conflict of the show, obviously, is the fact that this war has been going on and Aang has to defeat it um, or kind of bring peace to the lands. Um, But then there's those kind of interpersonal conflicts where Sokka is not his instincts aren't trusted as much among his peers and he kind of is still learning how to fight and how to not be a misogynist and Katara needs to not get so jealous of Aang when he's able to do all these water bending things and like just being pretty impulsive uh throughout the first few episodes at least and then Aang is obviously a fucking child who 
wants to do fun things and was frozen <laughs> in this moment in time. And suddenly he wakes up and there's a whole war that he's responsible for ending and that mm-hmm. people have been waiting for him to end for like a hundred years. And so, cause I didn't even realize until I started rewatching it that the war has been going on for a hundred years and that's how they figure out how long he's been in ice. Cause she was like, if you don't know about the war, that means you were in ice for the past yeah, hundred years. Like, in real life, this would never happen. Like you just put two and two together so quickly. Like this would not happen in real life. I was like, that's a nice, easy, even number for y'all to round out there. Um, but it works. But I was like a hundred year long war. I'm sure that that's probably happened before. But I was like, at this point, ain't that just colonization or something? I don't know. Is like, is it still technically a war? Um, or Listen, is it like a rain? Definitely some elements of the show make uh, seem like there is some colonialism or whatever going on. But um, yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, I think. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, you know, when they go onto the ship, I think it was like a day later that um, Aang was there in the Southern Water, Water Tribe. Like they go onto the ship and then, you know. Katara's like we're not supposed to go on this ship it's forbidden and then Aang is like okay well we need to let go of our fears so I think a lot of the first season is definitely around like Aang trying to figure out what that fear looks like and I feel like he has a lot of fear in being responsible for a lot of stuff which is why he doesn't you know necessarily tell um the southern water tribe and you know all of them that he's the avatar because he's like okay well if I tell them then I have to be responsible like for them and feeling bad and guilty um, and I think the flashbacks that the show has definitely helps uh, with a seeing like, OK, well, how was his life before? Because, I mean, how do we know who Aang was or what his life was like without them? So, like, I'm really grateful that the folks who made the show decided to, like, throw them in here and there so we could understand, like, a bit of his life. Yeah. And that's actually a great segue back into the synopsis of episode one. So they do that. They kind of go play on the ship a little bit and it causes, I can't remember how it happened, but there was like a huge beam of light or something. Yeah. He tripped on a a booby trap. Right. (laughs) You are a child. (laughs) Listen, I'm 12. Me and Aang are the same age, but um, he trips over this line in the ship and it signals like a, a flare that goes off and um, the Fire Nation sees it. Zuko sees it. And, you know, they go back and uh, Sokka's like, foreigner, you're banished from the tribe. <laughs> and, you know, that's when Katara's like, I'll risk everything for you. Let's go. You're going to teach me water bending. We're going to go to the North Pole. But yeah. Yeah. And it kind of low key that's was a good <laughs> call on Sokka's part, because when that Fire Nation pulled up, they wrecked that shit. And that scene actually made me very sad only because because I wanted to like Sokka in the first few episodes because I was like, he seems like a character I would be in this show. And then there's that scene where the Fire Nation is obviously coming and they have this really dope scene of him getting ready and putting on like, I guess, war paints and stuff like that. And just getting ready. It reminds me of like the scene in Mulan where she steals the armor and she cuts her hair, like just that kind of dramatic montage of getting ready. And so I was like, oh, Sokka's about to fuck this shit up. Oh my God, this is awesome. And they come and they just wreck Sokka's shit. Like he wasn't even like truly able to put up a fight. And that made me kind of sad because <laughs> he really got 
wrecked by Zuko and the fire niggas. Um, and it just... <laughs> Yeah, like I know, like in that one uh, when they first started fighting, uh, the little boy was like, "Show no fear," <laughs> and he immediately gets like beat up. I was like, "Wow, it's Ugh. just him. Like no one's gonna help him, but it's fine." Uh, so sad. I also want to take a note that <laughs> so context for people at home because you don't know me. I'm a huge Harry Potter stan, and so I do make sense of TV shows. <laughs> Through a Harry Potter lens. I'm not going to go on the whole rant that Corbin thinks I'm about to go on, but I do call the Fire Nation niggas the Death Eaters <laughs> because they really do come and fuck shit up. I know that they're not the same, but I also want to note that I think their masks are whack. I think that they look cartoonish, but also very creepy because they're so cartoonish. <laughs> Because they're able to fuck shit up with this whack-ass mask. Um, but that is just such a random, like, nitpicky note that I didn't even realize until halfway through this section. Because I was like, these masks are not scary. Like, they kind of look like the little, um, the toys, the El Diablo toys in the Kim Possible movie. You know what I'm talking about? The little things that were like... Oh my god. That's what I thought of when I saw them. Um, so I have yeah. a question. The Night Eaters are like them little black things that was sucking out Harry Potter's soul, right? No, those are Dementors. The Death the Eaters are... Dementors, The Death Eaters yeah. were basically Voldemort's like henchmen who come in and they fuck shit up. Like they're basically like the SS in Nazi Germany. <laughs> like they have like pointy hats, like the KKK, and they just roll up and throw a dark mark in the sky. But the Dementors yeah. are like a mythical type creature that sucks out your happiness and can eventually suck out your soul if they give you the dementors yes kiss. unless you eat chocolate you know right what <laughs> unless you get some chocolate <laughs> <laughs> oh you gotta hit your expecto patronum real quick and uh eat some damn chocolate which is such a great part i love that that is the solution <laughs> but to get back to avatar um yeah, so they roll up, they destroy a lot of the town, and eventually, doesn't Aang, like, go with the Fire Nation or something? I can't really remember the first episode yeah. that well, but he was just like, they're here for me, which was a good accountability moment, and a good little self-sacrifice moment. He was like, they're here for me, I would rather go than all of y'all get destroyed, so let me just dip real quick, and we'll figure it out when we go along <laughs> Well, I think the biggest thing is where I learned early on is that Aang like never truly fights anyone. He always like is in self-defense. Mm -hmm. So as soon mm -hmm. as he comes back because he was banished and then when he saw that the Fire Nation came to the su Southern Water Tribe, he was like, OK, well, you know, let me fight them because Sokka is obviously not doing it. So he slides in on a penguin <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's fighting Zuko. Zuko's really surprised that he's 12 years old. And then Aang is like, well, you're a teenager, so don't play me. And <laughs> they start fighting. But, you know, I think the biggest thing was we saw that the fire, like, was scaring these people. Like, you can see that these folks are truly scared of the mm -hmm. Fire Nation and what they do and the stories that they know. Because, I mean, rightfully so. In the introduction, we hear that, you know, um, the men that are of the water tribe like go off to with the earth nation to fight against them. So there's no men there. Um, a lot of their parents were killed from the, by the fire nation. So, I mean, of course they, they are scared. So when they see, when he sees the fear on their face, 
is uh, when he decides to to leave and to be held captive by Zuko and the folks on the ship um, until, you know, he beats their ass and escapes um, on Appa after they get Appa to fly because Appa was not trying to fly. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of loved that running joke in the beginning of like them being like, so this is your bison that can't fly. That's whack. (laughs) Like I thought it was supposed to do something. Why won't it do anything? I would be impressed that he just has a giant bison, even if it couldn't fly. I'd be like, okay, that's fine. But also I understand why that's also compounded on the fact that he's promising he'll take Katara to the North Pole, the North Pole, right? Yeah. Yeah. To see Santa. And uh, oh, yes, Santa Claus, <laughs> old Saint Nick, that's who they go to see. <laughs> what you didn't know about Christmas is that it's really about Santa being a waterbender. Exactly. But yeah. And so the Fire Nation basically, after they get their ass whooped, realizes that Aang, they also realize that Aang must have been frozen for a hundred years. And yeah. And what what happens after that? Oh yes. my gosh. So he Something goes about down, they set up a signal flare. They go down into he goes down into the ship and then Aang is like, you know, I bet I can beat both of y'all with my hands tied behind my back. And he does. Um, and eventually, like, you know, Zuko and Aang uh, start to fight again on the ship. And that's when, like, uh, Zuko, you know, pushes Aang into the water. And then that's when, you know, Aang, it triggers his avatar. So, like, he comes out the water, shoots up and, like, you know, totally splashes everyone, shoots everyone with water. And I think that was amazing part of it because this is the first time we truly get to see Aang in his avatar state. And that's when I think uh, Sokka finally believes that, you know, okay, this guy is the avatar. This guy can waterbend. He can airbend from what we can see, but it only happens when he's in the avatar state. So, you know, they're just trying to figure out how uh, they can not let it be a trigger, but what he can do um, just off the bat, because, you know, he has to master water first. So that's, you know, why they want to go to the North mm-hmm. Pole anyways, is to so Katara can learn how to water bend. And so Aang can find a master. So they both can find someone to master that first because they have to follow the avatar sequence where it's water, earth and then fire. So after that is when they're like, OK, well, this is the map. Here we're going to go to these different places and eventually the North Pole. Yeah, to see Santa. And I didn't even realize until just now that those were the first <laughs> to see two Santa episodes. Claus. I, for some reason, thought that all of that happened in the first episode, which is why I was like, wait, signal flare? Because <laughs> I was looking at the first episode notes <laughs> and didn't even realize that we just also covered episode two, The Avatar Returns. <laughs> so that plot really uh, was moving through. And so... Yeah, how do you feel about those first two episodes? Um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot in the first two episodes that help us um, understand a lot about Aang. And, you know, I think we'll talk about it more later on is like, you know, just the changes um, or lack of that Aang makes <laughs> um, throughout this entire show. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to go back because I rewatched this three times. So I watched it when it first came out on Netflix. And then, well, I watched it before like 2005. But when it came on Netflix, I watched it because I hadn't seen it in almost 10, 20 years. And, you know, we watch it 
and then I went back and watched it two more times. But um, just to see like from beginning to end, the change of all of them um, is very drastic within, you know, this year and a half of time span. So I'm, I'm interested to see like what you think about it. Uh, and, you know, if you still find Aang to be this childish, uh, annoying person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it's really dope, but I'm, there's definitely more exciting scenes than, than these first two uh, going on. Yeah, and I'm excited to start really liking the characters. I think in these first few episodes especially, I was like, I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure if I like the uh, main trio, the squad. Um, I don't know if I like the squad that much. The gang, whole lot gang shit. I don't know if I like (laughs) them because Aang is real childish. Uh, Sokka is misogynistic and not really that good at fighting. Um, And Katara is kind of like super angsty and uh my mom is dead huh like and i'm gonna take it out on everyone i like <laughs> and also, so cancer she's gotta be a cancer no other she gotta be a cancer it, that makes a lot more sense now that you say that <laughs> but i am excited especially later on i do like Sokka a lot more um when it comes to that episode where they meet uh, that really hot guy who's like the Robin Hood of the fucking neighborhood. You know what I'm talking Jet. about? <laughs> Jet. Yes. We will get to him in a while. Probably not on this episode for listeners at home, but later on tonight as we <laughs> record them in this block. <laughs> but um, that episode really made me start to like Sokka a lot more and just especially because they were like doubting his instincts, but his instincts were actually kind of good, even though they did get into trouble. But it did seem like a really good idea to be like, we're going to go on foot. But anyway, I will stop uh, talking about an episode that we will get to in like an hour or so. But next episode, episode three, the Southern Air Temple. So Aang is like, so boom, I'm trying to go home. I ain't cleaned my room in a hundred years. We going back to the Southern Air Temple. Y'all are going to be so dazzled by how beautiful it is and how it's completely full of people and life and blah, blah, blah. And Katara's like, don't know if you want to do that, fam. You, you know, things have, (laughs) things have changed. Devastation has happened. And so they all go and it's now super deserted. He tries to show them his favorite game, which do you remember what the game was called? It was like air something. Air. Shoot. This is going to bother me. Airball or something like that. Airball. Yeah, I think it was airball. And he's super excited to show them everything and was talking about his mentor who was called Monk Gyatso. Gyatso? Yeah, Monk Gyatso. 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 And he then realizes that Gyatso is dead. Um, and there's a bunch of like Fire Nation remnants and helmets and stuff around his dead skeleton. <laughs> um, and he then goes back into that avatar state that you were talking about. And he then, because he's realizing as they're going through this process that he is really the last avatar, which, or the last airbender, sorry. Um, which we knew because we know the title of the show. So it's almost like, Aang, have you watched the first two episodes? God, <laughs> like, did you not pull up the Wikipedia page? Like, how do you not know that you're the last airbender? But this is when he finds out three episodes in. And this is also when he meets Momo. 
who I didn't know was a lemur until later in the episodes, but he does not look like a lemur. Um, he makes me think of Zabumafu if he's a lemur, but I can't remember what Zabumafu actually was. But he was a lemur. Oh, okay. But I was like, I was like, this don't look like Zabumafu. I don't like this. <laughs> Stop calling him a lemur. So I guess Momo is yes. like his version of Pikachu. Like he's just like a cute little sassy thing that doesn't talk or anything like that. But he's just kind of like there for comedic relief and help. But I think of him as his Pikachu. I see you shaking your head. <laughs> but even when they do like the little cutaways to him just like chilling and like not really caring. I was like, this is Pikachu. I love this. Um, but yeah, they take him in on a they uh they take him in as a pet. Um and at the same time that all this shit is happening, Zuko's like, I gotta fix my ship. I gotta pull over. Like I gotta go back home to the Fire Nation and make sure my shit is good, make sure my ride is sweet. And he runs into the commander of the Fire Nation, Zhao. Um, and Zuko's Man, like Zhao, yeah. Yeah, and Zuko's like, Avatar, I don't know her. I ain't see her nowhere. I'm still looking like, I ain't found him. And so I was like, I don't believe you. <laughs> like, because <laughs> the crew, oh, I forgot to write this down. The crew snitches on Zuko and was like, hell yeah, that nigga saw the Avatar. He fucked our shit up. <laughs> Which loyal. I was like, dang, these hoes they truly gotta die. loyal. <laughs> yeah, y'all gotta go. I would have beat their ass, but... They snitch on him, and so Zhao is like, huh, you suck. You're a failure. Um, we're disappointed in you because you cannot fucking find this avatar. <laughs> and <laughs> and Zuko then takes this as like, oh, now I definitely have to catch the avatar because that's the only way that my people will respect me and keep me back. But he ends up getting banished anyways from the like from the Fire Nation. Um because they're just that irritated with each other. And he ends up fighting Zhao, but doesn't kill him, even though he whoops his ass. Uh, so, yeah, that is the plot of episode three. Ooh, this one moved a little bit faster than the other ones, but it had a little bit less setting up to do in comparison to the first two episodes. Yeah, I mean, just to go back a little bit, like I, I, I loved how, you know, they try to they try to show that Aang still has this very childish ignorance about him that he refuses to believe that the world is actually as bad as it is. And it's like, no, Aang, like the Fire Nation is out here killing people, just being treacherous. Um, and, you know, they they came to the Fire Nation because they were like, oh, well, you know, the only way to the Southern Air Temple is by a flying bison. And I don't think anybody has a flying bison. But, you know, we find that, yeah. <laughs> that you know, they ended up getting in, ran up Clearly on. Clearly they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they got there, to be honest. Um, but, you know, and um, in that scene, it's very important to note that they are able to enter into this temple and they find, like, there's just a bunch of these statues of the past avatars that are there. Um, and they're in order. So the air, water, earth and fire. Um, and Aang is like, I feel like I know these people because they're his past path, past lives. So we learn that the show kind of like teaches us about reincarnation um, and how like reincarnation mm -hmm. works in that mm -hmm. way, because every time an avatar dies, one is born, which is Aang, um, the newest one. So 
the one previously was Avatar Roku of the Fire Nation. Um, and, you know, he's super, super important to the show. And um, I mean, that's not my favorite Avatar that's in the show, but, <laughs> you know, he's he's definitely up there. I would give him maybe top, top, top four um, with him being number four. But yes, uh, you know, and then, of course, like you talked about meeting Zhao and how like he's just this really evil dude who is super ruthless, even more ruthless than Zuko. Um, and how like, you know, he mm-hmm. embarrassed the Fire Nation. We don't know why yet, but, you know, Zuko did that. So him and his him and uh, his father were forced to do an Agni Kai. So Agni Kai's are basically where um, two opponents are supposed to fight, um, not to the death, but until one of them yields or one of them is seriously injured or harmed. Um, so like, of course, like Zhao and and uh, Zuko get into that. Um but I mean, that's just like in the meantime, but, you know, we meet Momo and I think that this is kind of one of the tips that I had seen on Twitter um, that like Momo was supposed to be this reincarnated uh, version of Monkey Yatso. So as soon as like Aang brings up Monkey Yatso is when Momo appears and, you know, he's like, oh, well, Monkey Yatso was supposed to help me and do all these different things and and whatnot. And then Momo appears and like is this buddy, this comfort person, animal thing for um, Mm -hmm. Aang and like helps him get food and, you know, really is kind of like this friend uh Thing to Appa and they're just like two animals honestly like cats like they they fight and stuff like that and get on each other's nerves but I like how they kind of I like how they kind of like um set that up to where like they start talking about him and then Momo appears and you know he's the only lemur there because we don't see any other lemurs or any other flying bison so it's nice oh, to see that uh that's Aang, a good point that Aang has two of the the t- two of the things that disappeared from the Southern Air Temple to be like his aid on his journey. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see along the and, and also when he had found Monkey Yatso's body, his skeleton, that was really creepy. And then, you know, yeah. um, it haunts my dreams. <laughs> you know, we can see that there's like seven dead firebenders that are like around his body. So, I mean, you know, Yatso definitely put up a fight like he would no bitch, you know, saying like he definitely destroyed all of them, but, you know, ended up getting killed um, anyway. So, I mean, I'm definitely thinking that Aang feels some guilt about not being there being sad that triggers his avatar and again you know um uh katara is the only one to kind of calm him down and make him like not be in that avatar state anymore and again he is weak from going in that so that's two two episodes of him going into that state and something that he's not able to control it's only by emotions or when he's in like seriously um grave situations Thank you. I missed a lot of those things Um, (laughs) because I think I'm still trying to get a grasp, especially in those first three, four episodes. I was kind of like, there's a lot of stuff happening Um, (laughs) and I definitely missed a lot of it. And this episode especially is kind of there's kind of a three episode arc of Aang going back to these old places that like remind him of his childhood so this being where he grew up where he was trained up then the next one he wants to go to kiyoshi island to ride the elephant koi fish and then the next one (laughs) they go to the earth 
kidding. The next one, they go to the Earth Kingdom city of Omashu. And all of these things just have direct correlations to his childhood, which I think the first time I was watching this after episode four, I was kind of like, bruh, stop taking all of these breaks. (laughs) Like I was like, stop derailing this trip to go to these places that you just want to visit. But over the course of especially these first 10 episodes it makes more sense as he starts to like connect with past avatars etc etc um and so yeah that is episode three whoop whoop we are moving along through we are chugga chugging away through so episode four the warriors of kiyoshi which is a wild ride of a fucking episode literally a wild ride Oh my god. And so this episode, oh my god. This was one of the episodes that I was like so strong in my opinion that I was like I don't like Sokka. <laughs> like I was like this episode alone, like especially if I had stopped here, I would have been like I hate mm-hmm. this character. He's annoying. Um he's being super misogynist. Like they come up to the Earth Kingdom's Kiyoshi Islands because Aang wants to ride that big fish that we were talking about, the elephant koi the fish. The koi fish. Yeah. Um, but they're immediately captured by these like Kiyoshi warriors, which are a group of women that are these badass warriors and these badass fits. And the part that made no sense to me was that Sokka was like, Ugh, women can't do anything. We couldn't have been captured by women. Da, 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 da. But even though there were significantly more women than there were the trio or the squad. And so I was like, even if you think that women are weak, there were still like six of them against three of y'all. Like they, it's not that hard for six people to take over three people. Um, and I was just like, God, shut up. You are getting on my nerves. But basically Aang is like, okay, I'm the Avatar, by the way. Um, And as soon as people find out that he's the Avatar, I call this the Justin Bieber episode. He basically turns into Justin Bieber for all the little girlies um, on the island. And he does some airbending and they're like, wow, oh my God, like you knew Avatar Kiyoshi? Wow, that's dope. Um, And meanwhile, the whole time Sokka, my note literally says Sokka is bitter as fuck the entire episode. (laughs) Well, I mean, Um, you got to remember that like they didn't even believe that he was the avatar because he was like, this is Kiyoshi. I know Kiyoshi. And then there's like, there's no way like she's been dead for 400 years. And then literally (laughs) (laughs) sis is in the ground. She is done. There's no way that you know her. But he was like, yeah, 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 I got her. They're like, oh, my God, Justin Bieber or like would be a more up to date one. Like Timothy Chalamet, you're the greatest. Really? Like I don't know. That's someone I don't even know what that man looks like. See, I feel like with hard names, like people got these hard names, but then you have someone that's named Timothy Chalamet, and everybody knows how to spell it and say it. And I'm like, who 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 came up with his name? But anyways, yeah, I only know I mean, how to say it from TikTok. That's the only maybe way that Gavin. I know because it's a running joke. Gavin, ooh, Angus Gavin. Oh, I would love to think of Ang as Gavin. Gavin is such a a pillar of the black community. You know what I'm saying? He, well, <laughs> he's oh no. you know what I'm saying. I feel like Gavin's less he's annoying. He's my favorite. 
Oh, yeah. Well, he's also <laughs> small. He can only say so much. Like, I really hope that he doesn't grow up to be problematic. Um, for listeners at home who don't know, Gavin is a small white boy who is viral on the internet for his memes and his facial expressions. He and was just Vine being famous a, for a overall, minute. Yeah, he was Vine famous. He's, you know, I'm saying he's a very sassy child and everyone stands. <laughs> So I think that that's a pretty good comparison. But he obviously, Aang, just immediately lets it kind of go to his head. And he, yeah, it just kind of causes a rift between him and Katara. Because Katara's like, bruh, they don't really, really love you. Like, they like they just love you because you're the Avatar and you're showing off and all of these things. And we need to focus on X, Y, Z. Um, but Aang is like, nah, I got it. Meanwhile, Sokka will not let this misogyny go. He just refuses to accept that he, yeah, was bested by a bunch of women. Um, There's a part in there. Oh, (laughs) I also have a note in here because one of the kids calls Ang Angie. And I literally put dry heaves in the notes because (laughs) I was like, that is disgusting. (laughs) I think her name was Coco. I hate that. That was so bad. I that was disgusting. <laughs> I hated all of that. Yeah. Um. But basically, Sokka comes up to the women. He's like, "LOL, sorry or whatever." But like, I'm the best warrior in my village, and they were like, "Oh, word! How about you show us?" And he gets his ass whooped as he does the first four episodes, and eventually he kind of like begs them to teach him their ways and basically like train him up and they make yes, an exception for him. Never. J. Oh. J. Cole would never. <laughs> you know, I had to put this in here. <laughs> Listen, if there was what a, a topical bunch- reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. He really would never, he would never admit this and then go and learn. Um, but <laughs> But also the demanding of uh, women to educate you was very J. Cole as of late. But yeah, they make an exception for him. I have a note here that says I'd make an exception for Sokka too. To be honest, he's cute (laughs) is my direct notes. And then there's the scene. I feel a little weird about it just because it's very reminiscent of jokes during this time because this was in the 2000s and the warrior fit that the girls wear is basically a dress and instead of just being like okay yeah Sokka's wearing a dress that's cool like a guy can wear a dress especially if it's this armor that he's like trying on to practice the specific art and the specific fighting style and they have to kind of make the dress seem more like masculine or like filled with honor for it to be okay for Sokka because they were like yeah the silk represents like strength or something and the gold represents bravery or something like that and he was like oh yeah now it's okay for me to wear a dress and then Aang walks by and is like lol you're wearing a fucking dress and then just keeps (laughs) on walking and I was like oh my god (laughs) but it also is a very early 2000s show um Mm -hmm. but I was just like I don't think uh you know Niggas found out that they could keep the gat under the dress, too. So, I mean, that's something else. Exactly. <laughs> All right, this exactly. time have uh, swords, so. They're really missing out on such a great asset just because of misogyny. Um, Listen, Young Thug taught us. See, and this... Look, 
Had Young Thug released that album cover before this had aired, maybe they would have changed this joke and taken it out. But I just remember watching it and being like, oh, my (laughs) God, please don't do it, please. I was like, the dress doesn't have to have meaning Mm. for it to be okay. Just, God, like, let it go. But, yeah, so they train him up. He does pretty good. And (laughs) on the other side of this island, Aang is still trying to impress these little girls um, because he is 12 and he wants to impress all these little little girls who think he's Justin Bieber. And he's like, okay, I'm going to summon this freaking Unagi, I can't Unagi. Remember, Unagi, Unagi sea serpent, which I called the Loch Ness Monster because that's what it looks like. It looks terrifying. It looks like a giant Nessie. Loch Ness. <laughs> Nessie. Look. So he basically is like, I'm going to ride the Loch Ness Monster. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, no, you're not. And then the Loch Ness Monster actually does pop up. And... It basically puts everyone in danger. Like, it... Yeah, it looks terrifying, and it's gonna eat everybody and ruin shit. And doesn't it, like, spray water as well? Like, it can, like, projectile well, that vomit that was, like, water. later on in the... Yeah. Later on in the, um... In the episode. Because I think... Well, because Aang, like, was... When Katar had saved him because, you know, he almost drowned, mm-hmm. um, this is the second time, I think... Katara saves his life, <laughs> but <laughs> in four, you know, she's really protective over him. Yeah, because like he almost drowns and she like pulls water out of his body, but the unagi is still like spraying areas, you know, out of its nose or mouth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Even though Aang was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna ride this thing." Yeah, and I have in my notes it's like Katara snaps and pushes them all out of the water, like. And somehow, and I have a note, like, even that, like, even though they're underwater in those heavy ass fur coats, and I was just thinking about how heavy that must feel to be <laughs> soaking wet in that, like, decked out fur fit that they have, which I love. I think it's fire. But no pun intended, but I think it's fire. There it is. And <laughs> there it is. That's fire. <laughs> we really should have, like, a ticker, like, every time I say a fire joke. But yes, every time Avery says fire, take a shot. <laughs> A fireball whiskey. Of some fireball. See, that would be a great, uh, that'd be such a great (laughs) drinking game. I'll put that on the Instagram page when I get that up and running. Okay. But immediately Zuko pulls up. He said, I'm finna pull it up. And he fucks shit up so bad that the squad has to dip because, yeah, they're just going to keep burning the place down if they stay there. But luckily they're able to kind of use the Loch Ness Monster to spray down the city i guess on like a garden hose setting because i feel like they would have drowned (laughs) with how big that thing is and how much water there is so maybe it's like when you have a garden hose and you can put it on the soft mist setting (laughs) and maybe that's how it goes oh my god because i was like that looks like a lot of fucking water that looks like a tsunami waiting to happen but that is the end of episode four and We have one episode left for this episode of the podcast because we're reaching an hour, which is episode five, The King of Omashu. And so yet again, Aang is like, just, oh, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to go back on the the last part because I uh, forgot to add, like, this is the introduction of uh, Suki, which is the leader of the Kyoshi Warriors. Mm. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we can see, like, how 
Sokka has a crush on her. And then and she then gives him a kiss, of, which was yes, very random, but also I was like, cute, whatever. But like, I was like... <laughs> I was like, on the cheek, that's weak. <laughs> but he's also like 14, so I mean, it's, it's whatever, I guess. But yeah. Do we know how old yeah, she is? Yeah, I mean, is? I think... I don't think we know how old she Ooh, is. Suki? I think yeah. they were the same age, to mm. be honest. But... You know, it just seems like every time they go somewhere, they literally the town that they're in gets destroyed (laughs) that they're trying to help. And I'm just like, this annoys me. Yeah. So going back and watch the show, that definitely annoyed me. It's like everywhere y'all go, you know, the town just gets ruined. Yeah. Which is why, like, looking back on that first episode, especially, I'm like, yeah, they, you know, it was probably a good call to try and banish him from the Water Tribe area because literally almost every episode that we've looked at for... Uh, this episode of the podcast and for the next one everything gets burned up um cabbages get knocked <laughs> over you know what i'm saying My like, cabbages. <laughs> um, yes the introduction of the cabbage guy <laughs> is in episode five yes our favorite i literally have a note that says no, my cabbages, my leg, <laughs> like, my leg. I was like, he, it literally is that guy. It literally is. It's as if you were shown the my leg guy every time he talks, which I kind of love that the my leg guy you normally don't see him. Like it's just like a random voice in a sea of chaos. But like after the first couple times of the <laughs> no my cabbages guy, I was like, okay, all right, I know it's coming. <laughs> So I kind of wish Listen, it had just been like If Nickelodeon is going to give you one thing, they're going to give you a cameo of someone in distress <laughs> somewhere that you probably have not noticed. Like, that's not a main character. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And so, yes, episode five. I have literally in my notes, for a third time, Aang brings them to a place that reminds him of his childhood. <laughs> because I was like, this keeps happening. And I think even in the synopsis, mm-hmm. like, it on the synopsis for Netflix, it says, and yet again, (laughs) and keeps bringing them to these places. Um, And so, yeah, they're in this earth kingdom city and he's super, Aang is super excited to show them this mail delivery system, which is this like stone thing that kind of goes throughout the city and they're able to use earth bending to shoots. Yeah. It's like a shoot. They're able to use, earth bending to kind of raise it up and then the gravity brings it down and Mm -hmm. basically him and his friend boomy which off rip i knew that that old guy was boomy like from the jump i was like this episode is only so long and you see i'm gonna be honest with you i did not know that that was boomy i just thought he was just weird i was like this dude keeps staring at ang i don't know who this guy (laughs) is and then like I honestly yeah. I didn't know I just knew that this was some corny and I love Boomy's character just because he tells like these terribly corny jokes like I, I wrote one of them down because he like asked Aang <laughs> like where he's from and then Aang was like I'm from no. Kangaroo Island and he's like yes. oh I heard that place is that place is really hopping and then you hear like a cough yes. in the background <laughs> I wrote I was down like, the cough so <laughs> I wrote down um the cough after Boomy's joke about Kangaroo Island was great. The second time was funny too. And then the third time that they do the cough, when Sokka tells a joke at the, like the end of the episode, I was like, okay, now it's no longer as funny. <laughs> but like that first and second time that they use that cough as comedic, uh, like a comedic relief is great. Great comedic timing. Love that. It was perfect. If they could do like one cough per episode, that would be great. Um, but by the third one, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Please stop. 
he was like, do you like my, do you like my uh, outfit? And then you just hear a cough in the background. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I love all of this. I'm glad we both noticed the <laughs> cough because I was like, I, this is my favorite part of the entire episode. It's that first cough. Oh, of course. Cause it really made me laugh what? out loud. I think that was the first thing when watching this show that made me literally laugh out loud because I was like, ah, like, <laughs> It was so good. The place good. is really hopping. Yes. But basically, they... Aang is like, let's do this childish-ass thing again. And they go on these shoots the way that he used to ride them 100 years earlier with Boomy. And they basically are on this, like, crazy chaotic ride, or this wild chaotic ride. <laughs> and the first thing I wrote down is, I wonder, like, this needs to be, like, a theme park ride. Like, this seems so fun and chaotic. No, it like, it needs to be... It does not. Like, they need this at Disney World. Um, but they go through it, and they kind of go off the end. And they're also destroying a shit ton of stuff on the way. And then they end up destroying the cabbage merchant's carts, which is the first occurrence of the, no, my cabbages. Uh, and so obviously they did a whole lot of property damage. And this is when I realized, like, they don't have... Come on, property damage. They don't have any, like, money. <laughs> like, I was like, y'all did all this and fucked all this shit up. I literally wrote, they tore that shit up. Aang is so chaotic. <laughs> and also, Boomy got that gap game, which people at home who cannot see me, I also have a gap. So I enjoy all forms of uh, gap representation outside of SpongeBob. But they tear all that stuff up. So obviously, the guards come and they're like, uh, you tore that shit up. Can you not? Um, <laughs> like you really fucked that shit up, and like so they really have zero dollars and zero cents. Zero dollars and zero care. cents. Nothing in their bank account. They do not have a credit card. Um, they don't have any assets. They don't have any collateral. They ain't got no nothing to barter with at this point. Like I, no, there's no literally capital. nothing. No capital. And even me as a like anti-capitalist, I was still wondering like, but how are they making it on this journey? Like, how are you going without money? I don't get it. I just don't understand how you're doing this. Um, and so they bring him. Well, they bring the squad, the gang, to the king the of the city, who's this old man, um, and. They give them like this feast. Oh, and is this the episode where they also where he where Aang when they come into the city, he pretends to be an old guy? Yeah, Mr. Pippin Padalopopolis. I wrote this down. I rewound three times. It was Bonzu Pippin Padalopsicopolis the third, which yes. I just thought was nuts. I had to rewind three times so I could get it to pause at the <laughs> I was right like, part. He just came up with that off the tip of his tongue and like the way that they say it is a little bit different than how the caption spells it because they spell it like pad lopsicopolis but like they say like padalopsicopolis or something like that but <laughs> i'm glad that you got it because i do not because <laughs> i just remember when i wrote it down i was like pad lopsicopolis but they were like pippin padalopsicopolis like it was something like that sounded a little bit more amazing like flowy but i was like where the fuck did they get this name yes, from i had to write it down spell that i can't i had to pause it <laughs> there's no <laughs> way <laughs> but basically sorry to to go back to where we were but um the king is like the feast 
we're gonna yeah he was like i'm gonna have a feast for y'all and this is when i learned that ang is a vegetarian king because uh, he doesn't want to eat the meats and this is also when boomy makes that really bad joke about kangaroo island with the great cough <laughs> and the king seems to be like trying to get to the point but not really getting there and then eventually like as they're trying as the squad is trying to leave and escape because they're like all right this is creepy we need to get the fuck out he throws like a piece of food at ang and ang uses like airbending to stop it and he was like aha gotcha bitch you are the avatar <laughs> like i do <knew> it <laughs> and so he throws them into prison and has that whole running comedic bit a nice prison right he throws them into the nice prison <laughs> the renovated one and He's like, y'all have to go through, or Aang has to go through three deadly challenges. And I literally put, why? Like, why does he have to do that? Which, obviously, at the end of the episode, it makes sense. But my first reaction was, literally, why? Like, what does this matter? Um, and so he ends up passing all of the challenges. One of them's like, you have to get my lunchbox key from this, like, really hard to get to spot <laughs> and you have to fight this big ass uh whatever it's called i can't remember what he flopsy it. flopsy i was about to say fluffy flopsy <laughs> flopsy which is a terrifying creature i like some of the creatures <laughs> in avatar are truly like flopsy is for, cute like they are food for nightmares like it like it will haunt my dreams and so then the last one is he has to fight somebody and I knew he was going to pick the old guy when <laughs> the two buff ass niggas popped down. He was like, whoever you point to, do you got to fight? And he was like, I'm going to fight you. And that guy's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> bitch, you thought I'm ripped as fuck. Like I'm one of the best earthbenders ever and just becomes <laughs> like the fucking rock. <laughs> like, and exactly. he's this. one of them. He's one of them dudes that just be in the gym that be big, just be big for, for no, no reason. reason. And I'm just like, why are you even here? Like exactly. you won like that's it they're not even a bodybuilder and i was like of course like a crossfit person or anything they just big for no just reason. be big for no reason <laughs> and so they're fighting and this is when like you were talking about earlier how ang tends to be really evasive in his fighting style he points out like avoid and evade typical airbender tactic which i thought was really interesting and i also have a note that this fight scene is mad long like some of the scenes that they choose to do really long especially the fight scenes look really cool but also they do stretch out for quite some time <laughs> um especially in a context of a 22 minute episode where you only have so much real estate to use for plot um and i was like this seems very long and so ang's pulling some extreme moves from the matrix and then when he wins that nigga sinks into the ground uh which was <laughs> Which I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? Um, and this whole time, Katara and Sokka are just trapped, getting slowly encased by this crystal type thing um, over time, which is the kind of motivation for Aang to hurry up that and That candy rock, yeah. Right, that candy rock. Um, and so, obviously, Aang wins. And then he's like, all right, but I have one question for you. And he was like, nigga, you told me if I completed all the tasks, then you would let my friends go. Like, I did that. You suck. 
He was like, then what's my name? And he was like, uh, uh, I have no idea. Um, and then he has kind of a eureka moment from Jimmy Neutron and realizes, oh my God, it's my guy. <laughs> it's the homie. What's good, boo? See, it could have been Rocky. Rocky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> that was such a bad joke. Was that the one that also has a cough? Is that that joke? Yeah. 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 It was bad. <laughs> But they might be rocky. Then they have this really cute moment, which I thought was so cute. Um, when Boomy's like, "You haven't changed a bit," which was so cute, and I just thought it was wild to think about how these two friends who grew up together are standing, especially the way that it's shot with just them two standing across from each other and nothing really around them. You see the comparison between one of them who is still frozen in the past, like still the exact same way he was versus his friend who's much older and wiser and experienced and trained up and like has had a hundred more years of context and experience and advice to give his friend. Like, I just thought that that parallel between the two was really, yeah, really interesting. I don't know. What did you think about Boomy and Aang? I mean, I think the end of it definitely was important and it's going to be important just to to close out like the the whole show of like how important Boomy's words are, because I think in the end, um, Boomy tells Aang that, you know, when he fights the um, Fire Lord, you know, Fire Lord Ozai, that he hopes that he thinks like a mad genius. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to the context of like the entire show. So that I'm hoping that folks just remember that remember that just we're gonna yeah we're gonna get to that much later but that's very important so and hopefully think, ang does think like a mad genius and i think it also is a mark of ang kind of accepting because we talked about earlier how he really doesn't want to accept his role in how heavy that role is of him being the avatar and how all of this responsibility is placed on him and this is one of the first times because especially this being the third time that he's kept going back to these childhood places, um, kind of looking for something or trying to find the joy that he once felt or trying to find people that he once knew. And I think that Boomy does a really good job of being like, now your friends weren't really in any danger, but like, I want you to know that this is kind of like the weight of what's on your shoulders right now and kind of convinces him to take it a little bit serious, a little bit more seriously than he was previously. Because I noticed... After this episode, he does seem to not fully mature because obviously he is still 12 years old, but there's a lot less. He does not mature. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot less. It feels like there's a lot less shenanigans as compared to the first few episodes, because the first few episodes, it was a lot like I'm going to you, it was a lot and I was getting very tired of it. But like it does seem that he has a little bit more of a realization, in my opinion, of like what's happening but he's obviously not there yet. Like, he's obviously not like, okay, boom, this is the weight of the world on me. But, like, I think it is a really good stepping think, stone where it is. I think that Boomy, like, helps him put it into context. But I don't think that Aang has quite understand, mm. has, like, understood, like, yeah. what he needs to do. Like, he needs to fight this guy. He needs to kill this guy to restore balance to the world and as we can see in these these five episodes that ang 
does not like to harm anyone. He uses a lot of stuff in self-defense. So, I mean, how is that going to come into play when he has to fight Fire Lord Ozai, like in the in the end? Like, what is that even going to look like? Is he even going to to fight him or is he not? Or, you know, what's going to happen? We don't know. But, you know, I, I think that. He, he just like has this ignorance about him. But I think that also is because of like how he was raised. Like he's an air nomad. Like, you know, he was raised by monks. He has this lifestyle where he doesn't believe in harm to others. He's vegetarian, all of these different things. So, I mean, I think that just kind of plays into his life, um, into how he does things and how he, he fights and where his fear really lies. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, he's cause... still super trottish. He doesn't like have that same because I think that one of the things that'll be in the next podcast episode, but uh, but we will be talking about in probably the next 30 minutes is he doesn't know that there's like a deadline yet or what exactly it looks like. And so I think, yeah, I think this is the most development he can do with the information that he has so far because he doesn't Mm -hmm. know like about the solstice. He doesn't know about the Lord, like the fire Lord being the like end character in the video game like and so now it still kind of feels like oh they're just kind of going on this journey like they can take their time but at the same time there's really a deadline that he's gonna find out about and it's interesting to see like him in context to see like okay this is what you have to do with these challenges like nothing is as it seems but the past three places that he's been, so whether it's Kiyoshi Island or Umashu or being at the Southern Air Temple, like nothing was really as it was supposed to be. So like when he was at the Air Temple, like it was deserted. Everyone was dead, you know, and it just it wasn't what he thought it was back then. And then he goes to Kiyoshi Island. He's supposed to ride these these uh, fish these giant fish and then you know he is faced with these kiyoshi warriors and he has to like navigate his own ego and then he goes to umashu and he realizes that these people aren't nice at all they're terrible to each other and everyone's just really gluttonous and greedy about how much food they tend to take in and you know throughout the the show we can see how the earth kingdom is really like i feel like the biggest threat to the fire nation because i mean there's the fire nation and they're you know reigning dominance over everything but like also you have the earth kingdom over here which is like this protected palace in every sense everywhere where folks are really greedy really gluttonous like they really don't have an idea of what's going on on the outside so i mean you can see i think folks will see throughout the show that nothing is as it really seems and that i feel like that's the biggest takeaway so far what i'm seeing from the show yeah it's really the breakdown of everything he was convinced was still stagnant and i think that also yeah makes it more resonant that comparison between the two of them as friends that like at first in those first episodes where he keeps going back to those childhood places he doesn't really get to meet many people that are still there because they tend to be dead and everyone's like yeah, everyone you're trying to see is dead. And then the one person who's still alive has changed so drastically in comparison um, and really understands the weight of what needs to happen, even though he's still kind of a mad king um, type of character. And he's still kind he's of still weird. Yeah, he's still <laughs> weird. He's still fun. He still tells really bad jokes. But at the same time, he is a lot wiser in terms of like, this is the gravity of the situation. And I think that it's really impactful that his friend has to tell him that, even though people around him have been trying to tell him that. But like, 
his friend kind of puts that, like you were saying, into context for him, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But that is the end of this episode of The Last Black Avatars. Uh, So, yeah. We made it. We made it through the first one. Uh, (laughs) Corbin, do you have, where can people find you? Are there any pop culture plugs you want people to check out besides Avatar that you're watching or listening to? Um, Yeah. What are the socials? Like, I know we ain't photo socials, but... What if people are full of the socials? Oh, what they want to follow? I you? am. I will tell them what it is. <laughs> okay, so my Twitter and Instagram are very different. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm just kidding. Don't don't unless <laughs> you <Please you're>, don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, Instagram is K O R B I N with six N, so it's K O R B I N N N N N N N. And then um, I'm sorry, I don't know why I chose to to have six ends but it is what it is and then my twitter is corbin underscore forever k-o-r-b-i-n underscore forever so find me on both of those things and is there anything in pop culture that you're loving right now that you want the people to check out i mean right now like i'm watching hey arnold trying to get my mind off of all the stuff that's happening in the world but i mean pop culture stream no name no (laughs) name is the best out here um city girls just dropped a new album go listen to that that's currently what i'm on right now it's very good um i love to listen to it in my car with the bass on 10 um just how i like it with the windows down um that's pretty much it you know love that Awesome. And if y'all want to find me, my Instagram, my Twitter, and my TikTok accounts are all the same. Come on. So I'm at Black Baby Gap on all of them. There's no A in the black. So it's BLCK Baby Gap <laughs> on all of them. You can notice a theme with the gap representation. <laughs> so you but. took the you took the A out of black because your name starts with the A? I Whenever I say that to people, whenever I say, and is there's it, no A in the black, in my head, I do say, yeah, because the A is an Avery, but that's not actually intentional. Like, I didn't intentionally do that because of that. But for some reason, that's like the subtext in my head as I'm telling people, yeah, Black Baby Gap, no A in the black. Um, and so I feel like that'd be a really cool tagline, <laughs> but <laughs> that's just not what was intended. But it just, boo. yeah, it ended up like that. Yeah, boo, <laughs> I suck. God. <laughs> but yeah, we'll yeah. cut it right here. And so, yeah, snip, stay snip, black ho. and uh, snip, snip. keep uh, riding keep those trucking. penguins and fighting oh. off Loch Ness monsters. <laughs> And keep all your cabbages because you just might lose them. (laughs) There you go. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're not.